Hi, my name is Chelsea Ng. I just graduated from UW, and I'm volunteering at Global Friends and also um, am part of the Young Adults Ministry. So today's second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. You can find this passage on page 785 in your pew Bibles. The Temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, be our teacher this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. William Willimon, in sharing a story about when he was in high school, writes, Every Friday and Saturday night, as I was leaving home to go on a date, I remember my mother bidding me farewell at the front door with these weighty words. Don't forget who you are. And you know what she meant. And she didn't mean that I was in danger of forgetting my name or my street address. She meant that, alone on a date, in the midst of some party, in the presence of some strangers, I might forget who I was. I might lose sight of the values with which I had been raised, answer to some alien name, engage in some unaccustomed behavior. Don't forget who you are, was her maternal benediction as I left home, Willimon says. You know, in the two passages from Matthew that was read this morning, we see Jesus remembering who he was, firmly holding on to his identity as both the Son of God and the Son of Man. So first, Jesus' identity as the Son of Man. You know, I believe Jesus knew about his family genealogy. When Augustus decreed that all the world should be registered, Joseph knew he needed to go to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he was descended from the house and family of David. And I'm confident that the family genealogy 
was passed down to Jesus, and it helped form his identity as a Jewish male in the first century. You know, that's why our ethnicity is important. It helps shape our identities. There are a number of things to notice about the genealogy, not the least of which is that, you know, the first chapter of Matthew's gospel makes a better story than we might have expected. And by the way, this genealogy that we had read is from Douglas Adams' aptly named book, The Prostitute in the Family Tree. So let's recap a few of the highlights. First, the cheers and applause for the great kings of Israel's history, Jesus being descended directly from King David and all those other good people that we probably expected in his family tree. But if parts of the list sounded like a hall of fame, others read like a hall of shame. We booed and hissed along the way too. I mean, did that surprise you? It's fascinating to me that the scoundrels are included. This is a true family genealogy, not propaganda. It's a nod to the full humanity of Christ. Truly God, yes, but also born into a family with a prostitute in the family tree. And somehow this mix of righteous and scandalous individuals were integral pieces of Jesus' family tree. You know, it reminds me of a line from the movie Amadeus. I don't know if anyone has seen that movie from the 80s. Uh, great movie, great movie. It's the, about the life of uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And in the movie, Salieri, an accomplished older musician, is frustrated by the ease with, with which the bratty young Mozart creates masterpieces of musical genius. And he remarks on the irony of Mozart's talent. How strange that the voice of God would be heard through the mouth of an obscene child. How strange that Matthew would highlight not only the family heroes, but also the family embarrassments as important elements of the very incarnation of God on earth. Remember, too, that our list included not only the famous and infamous, but also plenty of folks we've never heard of before. I mean, I wonder why they were included. Again and again, God chooses to work in unexpected ways. And finally, remember that this genealogy was composed in a patriarchal society. You know, Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob. It would have been so unusual to list women in the genealogy at that time. And yet, four women are mentioned by name here along with Mary. And notice which four they are. I mean, not necessarily the, the better-known Israel, Israelite matriarchs, such as Sarah and Rebecca, but Tamar, who plays the role of prostitute to force Judah to provide her with the son she deserves under Israelite law. Rahab, a prostitute who helped Israelite spies move safely in and out of Canaan. Ruth, a Moabite widow, and the wife of Uriah, better known as Bathsheba, who became King David's wife only after he arranged 
to kill her husband to cover up his adulterous affair. Each woman threatened the status quo of her day and was in turn threatened by that status quo. Perhaps this is why these women were highlighted in the list as forerunners to Mary. As we learned last week from Pastor Aaron's sermon, Mary, a young unwed mother whose pregnancy alone was scandalous, whose role as the mother of the Son of God appeared impossible, and whose son's preaching and ministry would be all about turning the status quo on its head. Women and men, the famous, the infamous, and the virtually unknown, God worked through each of them to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. What a statement of Jesus' true humanity. I mean, surely if God could use folks like that, then God can use any of us to accomplish great things, right? And second, Jesus' identity as the Son of God. In the wilderness, Jesus is tempted by the devil to be someone other than who he was meant to be. In rejecting the devil's temptations, Jesus reveals to the world who he really is, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God. He's defined by what he rejects, for the devil's temptations are for Jesus to deny his true identity. The book of Hebrews makes it clear that resisting these temptations was not easy for Jesus. Chapter 4 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. According to Fred Craddock, it's important to keep in mind that a real temptation beckons us to do that to do that about which much good can be said, right? Stones to bread, the hungry hope so. Take political control, the oppressed hope so. Leap from the temple, those longing for proof of God's power hope so. Craddock continues, all this is to say that a real temptation is not an offer to fall, but to rise, The tempter in Eden did not ask, do you wish to be as the devil? No, he asked, do you wish to be as God? If anyone's having trouble believing that Jesus was really tempted, then he or she needs to keep in mind that temptation is an indication of strength, not weakness. We're not tempted to do what we cannot do, but what is within our power. The greater the strength, the greater the temptation. You know, I find it comforting that Jesus struggled with temptation, just as we do today. We may have a hard time, harder time identifying personally with Jesus, you know, when he walks on water or raises someone from the dead. I mean, I can't do that. But Jesus being tempted, that I can identify with. That's something concrete we have in common. I mean, we face temptation all the time, don't we? We're tempted to cheat on our taxes, to gossip about a friend, to lie our way out of trouble. You name it. We're always being tempted to do what we know we shouldn't do, 
We don't need any instruction about temptation. Temptation we know. Or do we? You know, a Sunday school teacher once asked her class, or told her class, the best measure of a person is what you would do if you knew no one would ever find out. In other words, when you take away your desire for reward and your fear of punishment because no one will ever find out what you do in life grows out of your identity, of who you understand yourself to be. Well, in that light, our view of temptation may be far too shallow. Ordinarily, we think of temptation as the urge to do something we really would like to do, but we know we shouldn't do, right? But as Tom Long says, the deepest temptation is not the urge to misbehave, to do what we know we shouldn't do, but rather the enticement to compromise our baptismal identity, to be who we are not called to be. That's the message in the story of Jesus' temptation. The devil is not tempting Jesus to misbehave. The devil is tempting Jesus to ignore his baptism, to deny who he is, to forget that he is the child of his father in heaven. It's significant that Jesus comes to the temptation in the wilderness immediately from his baptism when the skies opened and a voice from heaven said, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That's who he is. You are my beloved son. You are my anointed one, my suffering servant. You are the one I am sending to bear the cross of salvation of all people. You are my beloved son, and I am well pleased with you. And it's then when Jesus' vocation and identity are most clear that he comes to the wilderness where he's tempted. And it's temptation to identity theft, though it doesn't involve any credit cards or social security numbers. It's precisely Jesus' identity that the devil seeks to destroy. I mean, notice how the tempter begins. He says, if you are the son of God. He could have attacked directly. He could have said, well, you know, you're not the son of God. But he was too crafty for that. Much better to try to generate self-doubt. If you are the son of God. The devil picks away then at Jesus' identity as God's son, at his baptismal identity. The three temptations to turn stones into bread, to throw himself down from the top of the temple and to worship the tempter are not necessarily enticements to do bad things. They are at root invitations to be somebody else, to lay aside his dangerous mission and to be someone other than the savior that we need. Everything about the early chapters of Matthew, from the birth narratives to the account of Jesus' baptism, makes it plain that Jesus' identity was closely tied into the narrative of God's salvation. The devil wants him to change the script, 
to forget who he is and to trade God's story for some other story. Notice that Jesus combats the devil's attack, not with clever, skillful counter-arguments, but by citing the scriptures that he was taught as a child. In other words, Jesus resists the devil by quoting the holy scriptures that he had memorized and knowing what they meant. Now, that's the importance of Bible study, because anyone, even the devil, can easily quote from the scriptures. The trick is knowing what the text really means. Jesus refuses to change the script. He will not live a narrative other than the one that he's been given. He remembers his baptism, and he knows who he is. Jesus affirms God as the only source of his identity. Because we belong to Jesus Christ, we too have been given a part in God's story of redemption. We've been called in baptism to be God's beloved children. Tom Long says, because we are called, we are also tempted, tempted to change the script, tempted to live out another story, tempted to be someone other than who we are called to be. To yield to temptation is far more serious than to commit some transgression. To yield to temptation is to say, I am not a child of God, and I will not take my part in God's drama of redemption. In God's drama of redemption, Jesus has the lead role. The devil tempted him to to improvise, to change the script, to deny his identity. But Jesus remembered who he was. He refused to change the script. Through baptism, we know our identities. You are son of God. You are a daughter of God. We know our parts. Love the Lord your God with our hearts, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And like Jesus, we will be tempted. Long says, even now, the tempter whispers in our ears, change the script, make up your own lines. Everything is at stake, and the one who has poured his life into preparing us is watching. And so we're called to prepare the way for Christ's coming again. Jesus held on to his identity, both as God's son, the word made flesh, the light that shines in the darkness, and as the son of man. You know, his genealogy shows Jesus' Jewish roots, his Jewishness. He's part of the chosen people through whom God would bless the entire world. And Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. We're also called to remember who we are, beloved children of God. The lyrics of that new song sang that the children led us in in the beginning, it says this, in him was life that was life for everyone. The darkness tries, but the light will not be overcome. The light that shines for everyone has come into the world. The light of Christ, the only Son, 
has come into the world. That's what Advent is all about. This is the adventure we are invited to join. So rejoice. Get ready. Emmanuel shall come, and he shall come precisely to people like us. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you face temptation. You know what it's like, but you also resisted it. You remembered who you were. You remembered your identity. Help us to do the same. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.